All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. Hello, friends. How you doing? Now, I'm not a constitutional scholar on free speech nor an expert, but part of my broadcasting degree covered communication law, so I have a better idea than most about posting on social media. Just in case you didn't know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat are not free speech platforms. When you sign up for these apps, you agree to adhere to their rules and regulations. When you don't adhere to their rules and regulations, you can get suspended or banned from the app like Donald Trump has. I cannot just spout nonsense here on Podbeam without there being consequences. There are rules and regulations I signed up for, so I don't speak about hate. I don't speak about insurrections. I don't talk about um, fake news. I don't. I don't at all because there are rules and regulations that could cost me this podcast. And so the same things apply to Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can be accountable for your actions. The First Amendment protects you from the government locking you up for speaking out against them. That's what it really does. Private social media companies like the ones I listed can be held liable for not regulating their sites. So that's why users get banned, suspended for periods of time from the app because they violated those rules and regulations. Now, if you don't like those rules and regulations and you can't adhere to them, don't use the sites. It's that simple. It is that simple. Same things go for public schools and private schools. If you register your kid to go to a school, your kid needs to adhere to the rules and regulations set up by the school boards and such. This probably works with private schools as well. If you break the rules at public schools, you can be suspended or expelled. These are all for everyone's safety. They just don't apply to individual students. It's for the group's safety. Just because a school is public, doesn't mean it gives you or your student free passes to do anything you want on campus. There will always be consequences to your choices. If you don't like the rules and regulations for public schools, homeschool your kid. Don't send them. Send to a private school that would probably be much more restrictive on them. But that's how it works. Educate yourself before you get all twisted about free speech and my rights and everything because they don't necessarily apply to social media apps in public schools. Uh, There are rules, regulations, and laws and such. Also, read the fine print before you sign up for these sites to make sure that you can adhere to the rules and regulations. Read the fine print when you sign your kid up to go to public schools to make sure they can adhere to the rules and regulations. As a uh, famous movie once said, uh, uh, Walter and Big Lombowski, there are rules, man. This isn't NOM. Are you listening to CBJRadio.com yet? The 2021 International Singer-Songwriters Association Radio Station of the Year. It's a free internet radio station. Brand new shows every day. 
Shows range from hip-hop to rock to all independent artist shows to a Friday night request show. And don't forget about Retro Saturday Nights. Make CBJRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. Tell your friends. Today's guest is Eve Clark. Eve and I have a little bit of history besides going to school together in Laramie. We'll get into that later in the interview. It's a good story. You will learn that Eve explored the world before ending up in New York as a college professor. We have a lot of relatable experience working in higher learning, but different paths got us to our respective fields. Let's get to the interview. I was uh, born in Las Cruces, New Mexico, but I was pretty much raised in Laramie, Wyoming, um, and that I, that took me through college, and then I was all over the place. So uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, do you have memories of there, or did you, was that where you were just born and your parents took off to Laramie? Um, I was there until I was six, I, right before uh, I had kindergarten there. So I have a few, like, uh, it was very deserty. Um, we were, uh, my parents taught at New Mexico State. So okay. we were right by White Sands. So I have some memories of going over the dunes and things. Um, but, and I just flashes, no, really, my memories of childhood are really up in Wyoming for sure. So, your parents, did they they meet in Las Cruces? Or it sounds like they're, they teach at universities and such. Uh, did they meet while they were teaching? Uh, uh, they actually met in graduate school at the University of Illinois um, in Champaign-Urbana. Um, my, uh, my mother had uh, been a widow um, and had my eldest sister and then decided that she needed to have a start a living. Um, she had worked in Washington, DC for a while until her husband died. So she went back to grad school to become a professor and my dad and she were in the same program. Um, oddly enough, um, they were also friends with Ollie Walter. Uh, so that, that was our Laramie connection. Um, and uh, so he's another Laramieite who, teach, who was the Dean um, in Wyoming for years. Um, and so they were all friends. There was a big group of them. And so um, they moved to New Mexico because my mom um, got a job first. Uh, I guess that was when affirmative action was really okay. sort of the big thing. So she actually got the teaching position first in New Mexico. And um, then they had me. Ah, so. so you have an older sister, any other siblings? Or just you and your sister? Uh, there's one other, uh, there's a middle sister. She was born in Illinois. Yes. So uh, I had two older sisters. Two older sisters. Uh, and they were older than I was. Uh, yeah. So my, my, the eldest was 12 years older than I was. And then my, the middle sister was six. So we were pretty far apart. I, I kind of had the same thing. Um, my older sister is six years older than me. I have a stepsister that's four and a younger sister who's 11 years younger than me. Uh, being the only boy, it was very, very interesting. Uh, a different set of rules <laughs> by far. Um, but I kind of like had my own childhood being the only boy and having such distance between my ages that my older sister and I hung out a lot, but the, the older she got, high school, junior high, stuff like that, she didn't want to hang out with kid brother. And I was fine with that. 
And because she she cast a large shadow in my life through uh, sports and through education, like my coaches would be like, oh, she was the original Rude. They'd be like, oh, you're Rude's little brother. And I'd be like, ah, yes, that's me. And uh, or Rochelle did it this way. And I would get into classes and she was more she was more talented in the classroom than I ever was. And they'd be like, oh, you're not like Rochelle. And I was like, of course, I'm not like Rochelle. I'm just her little brother. And so did you ever run into with that with your older siblings or they're like, I had your older sibling? Uh, well, um, you know, I think maybe in high school there was a couple of teachers that might, but you know what, the last name like Clark, uh -huh. I think it was just too, you know, I when you're flask rude, I mean, <laughs> that's going to be a big giveaway, yeah. right? I mean, I think I probably looked a lot like my sister, but, and we were both extroverts, really chatty, always getting in trouble in classes because we talk too much. So I guess we had that in common too. But my eldest sister, you know, by the time I was in school, she was off to college. I mean, she helped raise me the first couple, you know, when yeah. I was a baby. I mean, she was the one babysitting me and, uh, you know, taking care of me. So she was just sort of this exotic thing, I think. Um, the big thing with my sisters is that they had very different taste in music and style. So I felt like I had like the best of world. Like I listened to a lot of good music yeah. and a lot of different music. So that was kind of fun. Um, but no, I didn't, I think it was just, I luckily didn't have that. I mean, there were shadows there, um, to, you know, cause you know, my, my sister went to NYU. I mean, she was like, uh, she could speak like seven different languages and something crazy like that. Um, and so she, um, but, and my other Ellen was really, you know, she just, just one of those presences that, you know, you just kind of want to be with that person you know, <laughs> around, you know, those people that draw in um i think they had so i think i kind of admired them for that but no luckily i wasn't being directly compared and i had no athletic ability at all so yeah i didn't run into coach problems like you know <laughs> I, I i really yeah i i have memories of college taking golf because when i was at uw um they still had a p credit and i remember i don't know why i took golf oh yeah that was yeah that brings back a lot of humiliating Memories you like volleyball, yeah. Uh, like, had you golfed before that when you took the class? No, I think I was dating uh, some frat guy who was in golf uh, or something like really lame like that and was talked into, no, no, this will be good. And it was humiliating. It really was. Like, I remember he used to like line all the people up, you know, and like, oh, you need to straighten your stance. You know, you need to wiggle your hips more. And he, the only person the guy knew by name was me. And he <laughs> was like, Eve, I know today we're going to hit the ball. I just know it. I just know that we're going to make it. So, but yeah, so my athletic career was, you know. Gotcha. Non-existent. Non-existent. So you weren't, you were playing like little kid soccer growing up. Were you like reading books and such? Were you in them singing, drawing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I didn't, I don't know. I think it's my parents got to Laramie. You know, there was the great soccer league there. I don't know why they didn't put us into soccer. I probably would have enjoyed it. I really like soccer a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I like watching it. Um, but what did I do as a kid? Um, we, 
I guess we did a lot. I liked dancing stuff a lot. I did like, I really liked to dance. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I did some reading. I watched a lot of really bad TV. Uh, I wrote, you know, like, and we didn't even have cable. So it was really bad TV. Like it was like stuff from the seventies, right. <laughs> Bob Hart, Newhart. Uh, but there was, when I was a kid, there was still a lot of kids in the neighborhood that we would play outside. You know, it was like yeah. those times when, the, you know, your parents threw you out at eight in the morning and said, see you at dinner. I kind of remember those days quite a bit. So, yeah. I mean, I guess we did a little bit of team stuff then, like baseball and stuff, but and kick, oh God, kickball. Oh, thanks. Oh, another bad memory. Oh. But, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it was more, but I didn't do, um, I did do track for a year in high school. Um, and, uh, but that was really, uh, in terms of joining team sports, I did debate. I was a real nerd in, you know, in, in high school. So I guess I, I was on the debate team. Gotcha. Uh, I did, I, I, I was reasonable athletics. I played soccer all growing up. I, I think my parents saw it as, uh, my time away, like go practice. I'll see you at the games, but they definitely, uh, that was a good activity. But I also, I had that, um, in the back of my yard, I had two acres of forest to grow up in Oregon. I moved to Laramie when I was 13 and beyond that was like the, the cul-de-sac that everybody, you know, kind of grew up the streets, everybody had the bikes and everything, the fireworks and stuff like that. But we also had the neighborhood kids. We had this forest to, let our imaginations go wild. And pretty much my mom could stand on the back of deck, yell my name, and I could be there within minutes. And so it was kind of, yeah, kick you out at eight, come back when the street lights are on. And in Oregon, it rained so much because and you ended up spending time inside. After a while, you're like, you were itching to be outside. There was no like, and I even had like uh Commodore 64. My friends had Taris and ColecoVisions, but we were like, look, we got to get outside. This is just passing the time and now it's completely flipped and it's it's interesting to see i wish every kid had our experience to grow up in a, a neighborhood street still riding bikes still out and, and, and can be trusted that they'll make it back home when they want it to but the right. world's kind of a crazy place so we don't do that as much but i'm glad you still remember those times because those are very near and dear to me i wish every kid could go through it um I didn't, yeah, I did sports. I wasn't good at, at uh, in class stuff as much as my older. I probably rebelled because I was a middle child. So I rebelled against, you know, what my, my sister did because I want to get out of the shadow and be totally different. And uh, they always say the middle child has the best choice in music because they try to appease their older sister or older siblings, but they also <laughs> want to seem cool to their younger siblings. So yeah, the great and and my sisters will attest to this that I probably have like the most variety of music rolling around my head, and so. But it was uh, it, I didn't like like school was where my friends were at, but I didn't really think like this is going to help me much in the future. I'd rather you know run into people and tackle people. And now that I sound like a popcorn machine, I think back of hey, maybe I should have uh, applied the brain a little more in the classroom, and because I enjoy learning much more now in life than I ever did during elementary school, high school, college. Um, but it's on my own pace and what I want to learn and everything. But, and working on a campus, you kind of around all those educated people, you kind of feel like I might want to learn some things while I'm here. And so, yeah, I try. 
but I, I don't regret any of those fun times or anything like that. Um, I definitely was at those times in my life. I was more introvert, uh, quiet. Everybody's like, you were so quiet. Next thing I know, you're like this guy doing podcasts and radio stations. And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know what broke me out of my shell, but it worked. Being, you listen for a long period of time. So, uh, so in elementary school, sorry, I talked about myself for a little while there in elementary school. Um, what I, did you, okay. Yeah. You got into debate later on. Um, but were you debating people at that young age? Cause that's a skill to have. Um, you know, I probably, I think that was what was so annoying about me. I think I probably did debate all the time. I think that's why the teachers are like, you should be in the debate team. Um, I have, you know, I, I didn't ever shut up really. I, I mean, I remember being a kid and like going to like, I wasn't a Girl Scout. I was a campfire girl. I don't even know if they exist anymore. They were kind of the alternate of uh, Girl Scouts. And I remember they like make bets. Can, can Eve, you know, Eve, Evelyn shut up for like 10 minutes at a time. Like I, I remember that kind of, um, and um, so, yeah, I mean, the nice thing about debate was that you had to, to, to argue both sides. So I think it made me, I think it really did help in college when I had to write like papers and stuff, like I could come at it from different sides. And so that was kind of cool. Um, I hated school. I hated junior high. God, that was a miserable time. And I don't know, I kind of slept through high school. I don't even know what happened in high school. I think I was sleeping in the halls most of the time, but <laughs> It was when I got to college that I started to do stuff that I kind of liked to do. And so, and then I just never left. I, I mean, just, and I guess I was a senior in, in college and decided that maybe I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know of what yet. And then, but I kind of liked the conversations and things that were going on in college. So I just went for it. And yeah, it took forever, but I just stayed. And now, you know, like that, that's, that's, that's just a great line out of dazed and confused. You know, I think Matthew McConaughey, like they, you know, I get older and they stay 18, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or 17 or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so now I just feel old all the time <laughs> with, you know, my 18 year olds, you know, oh, yeah. in their lives, but I don't know um, around if, me, but if it's the same way on your campus, at least in the last couple of years, I step on uh, on campus and I look around and go, did I ever age? They're all wearing the same clothes I did when I was in college. This is crazy. Like some variations here and there, but I was like, a lot of the same stuff. Is it the same way there? Um, I think so. Yeah. Oh, and I have a 13 year old and now they're wearing the same stuff we did like when we were 13 like the 80s are back <laughs> with this vengeance and they had come back before but you know we had avoided like the neon stuff and like now they design jeans justin so you remember like the tight roll that we you know used oh, yeah. to be popular and like the you know in junior high the tight roll jeans they now make jeans that they don't roll them but they have that same like effect and i'm just like oh this is awful and i'm trying telling my i'm like no you will regret this later don't don't go up there you know yeah don't go back to grunge do no um but yeah no it's and so um the thing that's different on my campus than when i was in college is the co-eds don't wear pajamas to class i remember many times like in the middle of the winter in wyoming that a lot of times went in our pajamas like 
well, no, the students don't do that quite yet. Now there's <laughs> yoga pants. I mean, that that's replaced sweatpants. Yeah, that's probably um, it. Yeah, they have a, the option of just wearing leggings and stuff. Yeah. Which, oh yeah, know, I can't. Yeah, because that, that's I call it Han Solo season. Uh, girls in boots <laughs> with yoga pants, leggings yeah. on, and then a vest over a long sleeve shirt. I'm looking like Han Solo. I was like, I call it Han Solo season. Solo. <laughs> it's about this time of year. <laughs> so well, like, who who doesn't want to be Han Solo though? I, really? I mean, right? <laughs> oh yeah, great. I he's one of my he's probably my favorite Star Wars character. I think right up there with Luke Skywalker. I, yeah, I think Han Solo was. It was interesting because. Growing up as a kid, uh, I mean, that's definitely Star Wars era when they're all coming out and everything. Um, my best friend as a kid, he was a brunette. I'm a blonde, but he loved Luke Skywalker and I loved Han Solo. But yet we could never be them because we didn't have the right hair color. I always had to be Luke Skywalker because I had the long, I had shaggy blonde hair and he had the shaggy brown hair. And so, oh, yeah, we're, we're sticklers for that kind of stuff as a kid uh, and everything. And so uh star wars reference there folks you can ask him he was interviewed on one of these podcasts named charlie barrett he did two hours almost once he's done two episodes because he's got so much charisma he's the bartender he voices over uh graphic novels he's an actor and so like talking to him like and he's lived in california austin like some great great stories so people go back and listen to charlie well after you uh listen this full episode and so, but what, okay, do you think your parents got you, like, inspired you to be the talker that you were? Like, do, were, they, were they asking you questions? Were they inactive? Um, because I don't recall that with my parents as much. Right. Um, you know, probably, I think uh, my dad is the introvert. Like, he doesn't talk a lot, but my mother always talks. And so I probably, yeah, I think that was a big thing. Um, and, uh, and certainly, you know, I followed in their footsteps. My parents are both college professors oh, yeah. and, oh my gosh, you know, I turned out, you know, it was funny. I, when I went to Wyoming as an undergrad, like, you know, I was trying to rebel and I'm like, I'll show you, I'm going to major in, you know, physical education. She <laughs> got a big laugh because that wasn't going to happen. Um, and then I ended up doing just about you know, they were both in poli sci. My dad did Taiwanese politics. Um, my mom did gender and politics. I mean, I was a sociology major, double major in international studies with a minor in women's studies. I mean, it was just really sad how not how, you know, much I yeah. copied them. So I think, yeah, I think there was this expectation in my house, like, um, that you were going to college. I mean, there just yeah. wasn't a debate about that. Um, and, you know, I guess the big thing was that um, when I got to college, I knew that I couldn't, like there was a minimum like that I had to do. Like, I remember my first semester, you know, I was not a particularly great student. I was enjoying, you know, the social aspects a little bit too much, shockingly. Me too. Um, and um, I remember like I was on the borderline of a C for a class and I'm like, no, this is not going to fly. I've got to like study th through this final because if I end up with a C, that would be the end of the world. Uh, but um, definitely I didn't think of it at the time because I was embarrassed by my parents as kids generally are and I didn't want to be like them. But 
you know, it's like you, you get to a certain age and you're like, yeah, well, maybe they were kind of right, you know, <laughs> like about stuff. So, was, um, was I mean, uh, I think. Oh, go ahead. Uh, like my dad, I my dad was really happy I got the PhD. I think that made him really like, okay, her life's gonna be okay. Um, and you know, but I don't know that that's true. I just think that that's what yeah. he knew. And so, um, and I did, I mean, I, I didn't know that I was, I mean, when I went out in the job market, there were no jobs. So like, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But it worked out, <laughs> you know, so. Was the University of Wyoming your first choice to go to college? Um, I mean, wasn't mine, but. I love them. Yeah, I'm gonna. This is gonna tell you how academic I was as you know an outgoing senior in high school, incoming freshman. My parents were like, at undergrad, you're gonna go in state. And my dad had just moved down to Auburn University in Alabama, and they said in state Alabama or in state Wyoming. And um, I picked Wyoming. A, I just don't think I was ready to leave yet. You know, that's where I grew up and. Alabama was really different. Right? Oh, um, but the other, but the reason I did was because um, Wyoming had co-ed dorms and oh, it, at Auburn, you had to live on campus as a girl freshman, um, but they didn't make the boys live on campus as freshmen. And I thought that was sexist. So I picked Wyoming, but I really picked Wyoming because they had co-ed dorms because <laughs> I really cared about my education at the time. <laughs> And what dorm did you end up living in? I was in Orr, which was not one of the tall ones. It was the, you know, the one that was in between. But mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I shared a room with um, Renee Richardson, who was also from Laramie. Mm -hmm. um, and we were on the eighth floor. We were on the top floor, which was really great because we had like the outside balcony oh, that the cool. whole floor shared. And it was great. It was, I, I liked it so much that I stayed an extra year. Um, we went back the second year because it was just, it was such a good time. I really liked living on campus and it was, it was fun, really fun. And I'll, to be fair, like the, the education I got at UW was really good and it wasn't as expensive. Like I could save the money to go to grad school. And I really, it's strange because I, I grew up in Laramie. So why staying home would but it felt like it was a whole new world as soon as I got on campus. It just wasn't the place I grew up in. It was something different. So I was really happy that I had, I had, I had stayed there and I, you know, I graduated and went and lived life and, you know, I, I haven't been back to Laramie probably, I don't know, probably four or five years now. And the last time I was there, I didn't recognize much. Like they were just finishing tearing down the high school. Yeah. Like that was sort of surreal and like Grand Avenue, especially up, you know, towards the larger number streets, I was like, wow. And the uh, like, campus felt like it turned into like this fortress. And I, and I just, you know, was like, oh, well, this uh, is weird. But, um, but yeah. after, after leaving Laramie, I lived in Colorado for a year. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, cause I was going to say a few things. I didn't want to go here. I mean, living here for five years, I, came from a larger area and I was like big fish, small pond, uh, small pond and kind of like, that's how the people came across to me. So um, I was like, athletics going to be my way out. So I got recruited a little bit to play football, but everywhere was like, I thought you were taller and that wasn't happening. 
And my parents were like, University of Wyoming. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And like, I lived in McIntyre <laughs> Hall with my first roommate was a guy mm-hmm. from Germany. Uh, he was 21 years old, but I already had a fake ID. So it really, really didn't matter for that aspect of it. Uh, cool enough guy, but I ran into a guy I went to high school with, didn't know him very well, be living on the same floor as me, Travis Daniels. I think he's going to be in the future of podcast here. And uh, we started hanging out. His roommate moved out. I moved in and I was like, yeah, let's, you know, move, go to college and live with Laramie people. Like I was in the Laramie click of mm-hmm. social life. And so, uh, and I was like, this isn't the college experience, but even though I stayed in the dorms two years in a row, because the second year, like off campus stuff fell through. So I was like, another year is not bad. I had my own room. And I was like, right next, I was on the second floor and I was right next to the outdoor stairs. So you could go in and out if people were cool enough to leave like a rock in the door. So I never really, really got to know people that lived in the dorms that well. Um, I, I mean, I didn't hate anybody. I was just kind of indifferent to a lot of people because I barely even saw them as I was going by. And, uh, but hey, lots of people have great, great times. Hopefully, uh, I know some people that hated their roommates and it was the worst thing ever. And, uh, but yet, uh, I know people that did it four or five, four years, all their undergrad, because they're like, they take care of everything for you, you know? And I was like, that's, that's true. And so now they're going to build some new dorms here. I don't know if they're tearing down the old ones, which that one, I'm like, was it Mac and White are like tallest buildings in Wyoming, I think. I was like, don't tear those down. I mean- <laughs> don't tear those down. And so I was like, I understand they want better amenities and the, these old dorms don't really have them. And so they're building some new ones where like Wild Hall was torn down this last couple of years where my office was at for a long time. Uh, yeah, it's hard. Like the campus even though I do work on it and see it, I'm like, we're building another building. Like that's all I'm like, wow, this was not like this when I was in college here and to see it all change. And I walk by buildings now and I'm like, Oh, guess I didn't see the full campus yet. And so it is a surreal change, even though I do live here, but when, especially in like someone like you comes back, you're just like, I remember Laramie cause it didn't change. It felt like it just was stuck until like, after 2000 like and then we start oh all right we'll start changing prexy's pasture and all that but like it was kind of stuck and so right but i love the university of me now it, i used to hate laramie uh i moved back from new york and went i'm gonna only live here five years and then it's back to the west coast and it's been 18 years and uh, i'm not going anywhere until i retire from the university so but I had to go out and experience the world because I got into a field broadcasting that my stepdad did and had no clue that that's where I'd be going. He never pushed on me. It's just, he had opportunities. I took them and then I realized that's the field I wanted to do more of the TV side and such, but it was weird how your parents can influence you. Cause I thought I was going to be a teacher. My, my dad's a teacher. My stepmom's a teacher. I thought I was going to go on down that road, but my dad was like, talk me out of teaching. It's so weird. He totally talked me out of it. And he's like, because he was like, it's all changing. By the time you get in, it'll be totally different. And, and so, and he's like, you don't pay very much and all that. And I was like, I don't get paid much in TV, but now uh, I work in IT. So it's a little, I don't get rolling the money, but it's a comfortable job. And so I never thought I'd be working in IT at 47 years old. 
So you leave Laramie, Wyoming, you know, backtrack you there, you graduate. And did you, you did you both, did you do your master's here? Or did you, you say you went uh, to no, Colorado? No, no. Um, I took, uh, between every degree, I took a year off to okay. find myself. Um, the first year I moved down to Denver and I worked at Nordstrom. Nordstrom had just opened. I was oh, yeah. in customer service. And, you know, a couple months of that, I was like, holy hell, I got to get back to school. <laughs> this is not yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm not a salesperson. Um, I, people would come in and buy stuff they couldn't afford. And I just, I was like, what are you doing? And so um, I applied for grad school. I applied um, to the University of Kansas, mostly because my sister had gone there. Okay. Um, and I liked Lawrence and they did have, you know, I, and, um, but I actually really wanted to go to Oregon and or Washington, University of Washington. And I remember when I was talking to my advisor before I'd left said, well, if you're going to apply to UW, you might as well apply to Harvard because it's it's easier to get into Harvard than you job at this time. Everyone wants to go there um, for graduate school. And so I applied for I applied to three places and I got a very nice rejection letter from Oregon saying, oh, we only took nine percent of our you know, we had all these great. It made you feel good that they were rejecting you. And you, Dub, was like, "Why did you bother to waste our time with your application?" It was like awful. So KU, I had handwritten the application. I had sent it in because they had a late submission. It had the, the application. This was before computers were the main way. Oh, yeah. Um, what had been scrunched up in my car? I think there was a coffee stain on it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, they they took me, and so I went. I went to Lawrence and I got my master's there. Um, and so I lived in Lawrence for a couple of years and that was great. Like the master's was pretty structured. I did, you know, it was pretty quick. And then I um, took a year off and I moved to LA for a year and I worked um, in the dot-com boom in LA. And that was really cool. Um, I worked for a psychic.com. Like, uh, yeah, like I can't make this stuff up. Yeah. I moved to California and I was working for this, you know, like, <laughs> And I was just an administrative assistant, but, um, and then, um, during that year, I kind of thought, no, you know, I think I really want to be a teacher. I think I really want to finish. So I went back to Kansas and I got my PhD, um, after, and are all your degrees in the same thing or are there variations? Um, yeah. Um, I, so I, I ended up going back for SOCH and I did globalization. So yeah, basically I just, you know, once you get started on a path, usually with higher ed, you kind of get sort of siloed into stuff and it is hard to like vary it up. Um, so, but I, I did my dissertation research in Chile. So I lived in Santiago for oh, wow. about four and a half months and, and that was really, really cool. And, um, and then, um, after graduating, I was, uh, of kind of visiting um, adjunct in the Kansas City area. I, I worked for several universities there. And then finally I got my tenure track position in New York. So we've been here now seven years up in North Central New York. Seven which, years. Wow. Yeah. No, it's maybe it might be even long. I don't even know. Like I I I know time now by my children, if that <laughs> makes any sense. Like, yeah. oh my my son just turned 10. So wow. Like 10 years have gone by. That's crazy. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, I, I can't believe we've been here seven, eight years. Because it so, doesn't, doesn't feel like time should be that fast. But Tell me about it. Uh, so somewhere along the way, you met your significant other? Yes. 
Um, I met him in Lawrence. He okay. was an exchange student from the University of Stirling in Scotland. Um, Carlos, uh, yeah. I like when I was engaged, people thought I made this up. Like, you know, you know, there used to be that joke. Oh, I have a girlfriend from Canada. Like my <laughs> joke is I have a fiance from Scotland named Carlos. And then people would shake their heads like, oh, sure you do, Eve. Yeah. 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 But no, he uh, he was born in Chile um, and his parents um, fled um, the dictatorship that emerged wow. when he was three. Um, and he grew up in Glasgow. So he was on exchange at the University of Kansas my first year as a master's. And we met and we lived in the same building and hung out with all the foreign exchange students um, that year. And yeah. And then he, after he went back, finished his degree in Scotland and then to LA. He's the one, um, actually, the reason why I was in LA is he got a scholarship. Uh, he was in film to go to UCLA for a year. Oh, wow. And we apartment, free car um, for him to study film and do internships in Hollywood. So oh. that was kind of cool. But um, I just was along for the ride and taking a year off. And um, and then after that, he went back to London to get work. And I went back to get my PhD. And then we kind of decided, eh, well, I guess we're going to get married because, you know, immigration was such that it was either marriage or not. So we got married and he came back to Kansas and he worked in television um, in Kansas City while I finished three. And then he got him in Rochester for, for he does uh, commercial production. Oh, kind of where like some of that stuff. I like UCLA film school. I always thought, oh, that'd be would have been so cool. Only because I was a big Jim Morrison fan. He did. It. I was working in the field and I was like, yeah, I want to go to film school, TV and film. I get it. Totally different genre than I don't even like when I would talk to film majors, I was like, yeah, you are a different breed than I am. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's okay. And, 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 but I also watch like TV programs and such going, oh, I could shoot this. Like, I go, well, I know where they put the cat, why they do that. I critique it a lot of the times. Sometimes it's really hard to shut off that, that side of my brain and just enjoy a program. Uh, when they first handed me those tools, I couldn't watch news like Channel 5 or K2 News because it was just terrible. Like the production side of it. Sure, I wasn't knocking <laughs> what the stories were. I was knocking how they did it. And then I started working with them. Right. And I would send my great video from like coaches shows and stuff. And they would just hammer it. And I was like, no, I'll never work for you. And that made me, once I finished at the university, well, I mean, with my broadcast degree, go to New York. But I at that camp I'd worked out in New York where a summer camp um, I met a girl from England. So I understand I got married to her eventually. I understand the, the immigration stuff and the, the visas and all that. We didn't last. Uh, we were opposites. Um, it was, but we chose New York. So I was like, Hey, I probably get a TV job here. I'm hot shit. And I, I did. It was weird. Cause the TV station I ended up working at, my dad sent in my resume, not my stepdad who has connections all through the field of broadcasting. My dad did. And they ended up hiring me as News 12 Long Island. And I really knew nothing compared to those people. They were just amazing videographers. Um, I came from shooting more sports. Now I'm shooting news. And so I shot like, uh, I was there for 9-11 and everything. That's probably a big reason, like, 
the news just wore me out right. and wore me down. And um, I was looking for lots of reasons to get out. Job came up the university. Well, I mean, I was going through a divorce and that's what sent me back this way. But it was, it was, it's interesting to, you know, dream about what I was going to do. And then hear people that actually went to UCLA film school, like your husband. I was, does he have a good thick Scottish accent? Uh, he did. Um, oh, okay. He really did when I first met him. Oh yeah. Like, um, not as he's, he doesn't sound like a Glaswegian. Or, I mean, if you watch movies he's from Glasgow, they get okay. subtitles because you can't understand a word they're saying. Like, it's a different language, but he went to kind of a preppy school in Glasgow. His parents wanted you know, uh, him to go to college and stuff. So he, but he definitely sounds Scottish. And if he gets drunk or now, or if he's talking about like stuff of Scotland, you can hear it really thick, but he's been pretty Americanized for a while. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, uh, but what was funny when I first met him in, in, in Kansas, like we'd go to the bars and these girls would come up to him and be like, Oh, Carlos, you're in my English class. And Oh, you know, like talk to me, you know, it's like that scene at a love actually, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and it helped. I mean, yeah, there was a group of them that were from the same university and we kind of hung out that first year. And, um, and then that summer, um, one of the cool things that we did is I had a little Honda Civic hatchback, you know, those old hatchbacks. Oh, yeah. And there were four of us and we just hopped in the car and I drove them every place I knew someone. So we toured the U.S. Cool. out of the car for the summer. And so uh, that was my trip around America kind of thing. I mean, we went, you know, we went west um, all the way to California. We drove up, you know, Highway 1 and then the 101 up to Seattle because my sister was living in Seattle oh. then. We drove through Montana, went to Yellowstone and back. And then we went south um, to New Orleans and, and then to my parents who were in Alabama and around. And it, you know, it was really, really cool because the, the international students know how to travel. Like they know the hostel system, you know, they know how to do it really cheap. And, you know, we put a, a bag on top of the car with the camping gear and then just we each were allowed two backpacks. And then we did the whole summer that way. And it was really, really cool. Awesome. Kind of. You know, you kind of fall in love over that, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, yeah like, uh, well, we had all international, I mean, international staff at our summer camp. So mostly English speaking and a few from Scotland and such. But I would notice I would be at like, say a fast food place getting something to eat, and my ex-wife would order something and she's British and it was from more Northern England. So it came almost across a little bit Scottish. And they, the guys at the counter would look at me like, what is she saying? And I'm like, she's speaking English, dude. Like, <laughs> that's where it comes from. Like, <laughs> and like, what? Really? And so I'd have to translate and she'd get so mad. And I'd just be like, yeah, we speak American here. And we like to slaughter the English language with all our slang and mispronunciations and such. So, but people think that's the way everyone talks around the world and, and it's interesting to run into that kind of stuff i'm sure you've had your fair share of let me tell you what he said right well there would be times he'd order something and if they didn't understand him he would just walk away like yeah it was that uh never mind i don't need it kind of thing um and I don't know if he still runs into it that or not now um whenever i'm like whenever he needs to do something like scottish accent people will get more likely to help you and stuff to buy you 
I don't know that he always believed me on that. Uh, um, do your, do your but, kids pick up on the accent? Yeah, more than, um, one of my friends on that exchange was also from my kids know they they sound like New Yorkers now. They are <laughs> definitely New Yorkers. Uh, uh, and and up here, there's Long Island has that lovely accent. Oh yeah. You know, and then there's the Brooklyn accent and stuff like that. A lot of our students come state, um, but you know I hear it. Um, they were both my kids were born in Kansas, um, and so they have kind of curious. They don't really remember Kansas, so they're kind of curious about it. Like for a while my son was when the cheats were doing so well that was a big deal but oh, yeah. now they're like no we're neighbors like there's there's no doubt um but you know this part of new york is a lot like wyoming so it doesn't feel like it's all yeah. it's like you know it's pretty isolated yeah i mean there's two big cities i mean big cities big cities compared to laramie um, you know, oh, yeah. Rochester and Syracuse and there's oh, Bob yeah. here as well. But um, yeah, just, I feel like I kind of home without home, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, I get you. Uh, but I, I, going back to the accent thing of New Yorkers, the Long Island one, I used to go to work and they'd go, you talk funny. And I'd be like, no, you talk funny. I'm like, what do you mean? And I go, if you watch the nightly news, Brokaw, Jennings, all those guys are from Kansas, North Dakota, like where I'm from. And they go and watch it and they come back and they go, yeah, we talk funny. And I go, yeah, I know. I talk like a con- clean and concise and I don't have a drawl and I don't say turdy turd in a turd street. But the only thing that came out of Long Island was saying the word Long Island. It took me like five years when I would say it, I'd come out Long Island and I would be like, totally make fun of myself for doing that. But now I've weaned off that word, but I didn't pick up the accent there because it, I thought it was just ridiculous. Sometimes they put R's like California becomes California. I'm like, how there's no R on the end of that one. Yeah. And, and so it, I'm glad your kids, <laughs> I'm glad your kids don't sound like New Yorkers. Sorry, New York fans out there. Uh, they sound like upstate New Yorker, middle, you know, a good, solid, probably good accent. Um, but yet somehow, some way that accent will probably roll its way into your town. And there's people down the block that sound like they're from Brooklyn, just because grandpa was from Brooklyn. And so the rest of the family sounds like that. But, you know, it's it's New York and stuff. Um, so what are their I'm a, differences? Yeah, I'm a fan of the Brooklyn accent. I okay. like the Brooklyn Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was saying, uh, what are your what are the ages of your your kids? You say boy and a girl or boy? Uh, girl? So I have yeah, I have a, a, an older daughter, Aria. She's thirteen, so you can imagine how how fun that is. Yeah. And then I have a son, ten. So um, no, actually, I really like these ages because you um, when they're really little, you know, like they could die, like, you know, like to relief now that the kids are old enough that, you know, they're going to not die. Right. Yeah. If I, ha- if I'm not around and stuff and that's kind of nice. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, I both the kids at the very end of graduate school. Um, and, and then we moved here. Um, and I remember my father-in-law sent me an email when I got, I was really happy about it. Cause it, you know, you got job, like you in the lottery and my father's love. 
well, way to go, Eve. How does it feel to completely uproot your family? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you're like, yeah, we actually, I'm a doctorate we, we're doing now. okay in New York. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I like New York a lot, actually. I mean, you know, there's such a variety and there's lots of things like the mountains in New York are like mountains, like in Kansas, like people would be like, oh, let's go to Missouri into the Arcs. You're going to see mountains even. You're going to not feel so homesick. And then we'd go and it'd be they're lovely hills. They're nice. But, um, you know, the Anirondacks look like mountains. They're not as, you know, impressive as the Rockies, but they, they look like mountains. And that would be nice. And I really like going to the city. Um, yeah. I was really intimidated to go to the city when we first got here. I'd been as a kid, um, but I was there to go into the city. Um, and I had to go to for a conference. And I remember just thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And then I got into the city and it was just so easy. And, you know, like, like the city people are like, oh, everyone's so rude. I was like, I didn't find it to be that at all. Like people were helping me because I was in their way and me to get out of their way. But like they were really helpful. And I mean, yeah, I think Max is a little strong and, you know, there's a guy probably, you know, who yelled at me a couple of times, you know, cause I was in the way, but I like the city a lot. So it's always, uh, I go back a lot. It's always interesting that at New Yorkers, even though you're f- further upstate, there's only one city in the world. And I know you're, I know you're talking about New York City, <laughs> but like, it's so interesting because I say it too, because then I'll, I'll even say I, the island and that's Long Island. There's not lots of islands in the world, but the only island is Long Island. And so I tell you when I when I tell people I lived in New York, they automatically assume New York City. And I'm like, no, I lived in Long Island in the middle there. I was about 50 minutes from downtown Manhattan. And that's what you think of New York City. And they're like, oh, OK. And I'm like, I explained the boroughs and all that. And I was like, it's that's a city. And they're like, oh, I didn't think there was anything east of that. Like they just thought it was ocean. And I was like, no, there's a big old island. Uh, if you ever you know hear about the Hamptons. Yeah, that's the very end of Long Island. And so, uh, interesting side note, covered a story there, a, a uh, celebrity softball game between Rockefeller Records, which is Jay-Z and Puff Daddy's record label, Bad Boy. So we got to interview both of them. Uh, Puff Daddy sucked. Uh, he was kind of a dick to my reporter. Jay-Z, so cool to me. Oh my God, like I tell the story so many times. I'm about to interview him. I pull up my camera and, my, and he's like, hold up, dog or player. So I can't remember what he said to me exactly. He grabs my camera. He's like, oh, my God, this thing's heavy. How do you do it? And just asking me about my job for like a couple minutes. And I'm just like, I think I answered right. And he's like, all right, you need anything to drink or eat or whatever. Just come to me, player. I'll take care of you. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a dog and a player in Jay-Z. And I was already a big fan already. So we do the interview. We walk away. And my reporter's like, you can't get drinks with him. You can't eat with him or anything. I was like, but I'm his dog. Like we're good. And I was, <laughs> as, as a, uh, you were supposed to be impartial. We're not supposed to take any gifts from people we cover and stuff like that, working in the media and everything. And I was just like, ah, cause it could influence the story. And I'm like, this is a puff piece. It's not influence anything. And so 
Tara Reed was there. She was really tiny and probably had a coke problem at the time. Um, but the real story that came out of this was this lady named this this girl named Lizzie Grumman. Her her father was like a, a rich investor from New York, and so she was a, a celebrity elite, but not in movies or anything like that. Publicist, I think she was. Uh, they wouldn't let her into a club in the Hamptons. So she backed in her vehicle into the club front door. And so it was all over the newspapers and everything. But we were the only ones to have video with her from earlier in the day. And so that my video was all over all oh, wow. things and everything. And so, but yeah, and I don't even know if our story made it because they use that story. They use that video so much. That was the cool parts of my job that happened. I met Billy Joel because he dated one of our anchors. Um, that was cool. Uh, that kind of stuff, but it burned me out working in news. Like I said, working in nine eleven. Wow, like that's pretty. Oh, the Billy Joel one. Justin, you are a New Yorker. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't drive anywhere in New York and have the radio on and not find a Billy Joel oh. song playing. You know, in the journey, right? Like, like, oh, yeah. wow, wow. Oh yeah, he. Um, like I, I was like. I guarantee I don't care what music you're into and you live in Long Island, especially. I bet you got one Billy Joel CD. Oh, I guess it's a digital file now, but I bet you have like the best of Billy Joel lined up your best of, you know, whatever rock you're into. But I guarantee everybody's got Billy Joel. Like I would say I used to say Billy Joel could shoot me in the middle of Long Island and I would be wrong. And so he was, <laughs> he was God there and. So yeah, that, that I mean that was just in a passing in the hallway. Got to talk to him for a little bit because I'm a Yankee fan. So was he, and so we talked a little bit about the Yankees. And I'm like, I just had a conversation about Billy Joel, and, and it was like the weekend. He was coming in to pick up one of our reporters that he dated at the time. So yeah, it was those were interesting things. But there was a lot of stories I covered that were like just scary, and people are just you lose trust in humanity because you cover such crazy people. And so I'm glad I got out of it. I love working in education. I feel like I'm making a difference, even though I just work in IT, but I, I help people like you so you can teach a class and they can understand it and use all the technology and everything. So I feel I'm a helpful process in that, in that part. I'm not that one of those people are like, I'm IT. I can't fix your computer. I just make sure your classrooms work. That's my job. And so, yeah, it's fun. It's better than what I did out there, but I got experience and how to work. And I don't want to live in New York again, uh, or at least Long Island or, or, or Manhattan. <laughs> um, but I need to go visit. I have tons of friends out there. I, mean, I, I don't hate it totally. It shaped a lot of my life from working at a summer camp to living there for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I tell people on this podcast, listen to your story. You bounced around. You took a year off between classes, like, uh, like or between degrees. And and you explored the world. And right. so like people need, I like, I, I know too many people that they're going to live and die in their same hometown and they need to go see the world. And so, uh, and, and you never know, you end up in New York married to a Scottish guy with Chilean descent. Like, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> who knew? Um, yeah, no. What's really weird here too, too is like you know I remember being in Laramie and people like not wanting to go down to Denver and thinking oh that's oh, kind of odd right and then it's the same here too right it's this sort of different type of 
And I was really happy when we moved to New York because in Lawrence, in Kansas, everything was a nine hour car drive. If you wanted to go to Chicago, it was eight, eight hour car drive. If you wanted to go to Denver, eight hours, Memphis, eight hours, right? And I felt like we'd gone up world because now everything's like five hours. Right? <laughs> like I can get to Boston, I can get to New York, um, you know, DC is really only eight hours. And so if the, and things are just so much closer yeah. And, you know, and there are trains and things like that. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like it is kind of how you get on these paths and they take you to weird places. Now I haven't met a ton of celebrities at all. Like in LA, my joke about if we would run into, and he was in studio. So he did run into oh, yeah. people. He worked for propaganda films that had just done being John Malkovich, I don't know if you remember that oh, yeah. movie. So that was the studio that he internship for. So he was running into some people, but very briefly. Um, the only big story I ran into was in it. Uh, 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 God, what the guy from Jerry Maguire, not Cruz, but um, oh, what is his name? Cuba Gooding Jr. That's it. Okay. Cuba, uh, All right. He's coming out of the elevator as I was going in with my son. And he looked down and he's like, cute baby. And yeah. everyone in the elevator just looked and was like, is that him? And I and, and someone at the Chloe's shouted, show me the money. And I, I'm glad I didn't do that. But that's about as close to a big celebrity I think I've ever been. But I did get to hang out with a rock and roll band once. And that was awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a small band out of uh, California, Calexico. And they took us all to dinner. And having dinner with a rock and roll band was pretty cool. <laughs> Um, and I realized I did not want to be a groupie. Like I could have been because they were really cool and I like their music and stuff, but just the, just, and, and I did meet Sonic Youth. Like I met Kim Gordon behind stage once and that's really, really cool. Um, right before they broke up. So, you know, that was not so great, but, um, but yeah, no, living different places, different cities, different rural areas um it's it's kind of cool like you just you realize that people are pretty much the same everywhere but they're different and that's really um a, it is it's been it's been a fun you know journey i mean uh, i really wish i could make everybody go live somewhere else go international for a year oh, yeah. or do something you know if i was a dictator that i would be doing you know, that's what I would be making everybody leave. What, what got stuck in Philadelphia because the volcano went off in Iceland and we couldn't fly into Scotland, ended up going to Washington, D.C., which is the only time I'd been in that city. And I'll tell you, I really wish everybody would go to D.C. Oh, and yeah. just see it and walk around the Capitol and walk around all the monuments and stuff. It, it's kind of this very sacred thing. Like you feel like, wow, this is beautiful. And you just feel this sense of patriotism. And I just wish people would do that because I think they would be so, I don't know, anti-government or yeah. anti, I feel like you get a strong sense of what that is. And that's how I feel about New York City. I think in the West, we have these stereotypes about what New York City is like. And you're in it, you kind of are like, you know, this is different. And I don't think I could live in the city. There's no yeah. way. Right, um, yeah. I couldn't get in a two at, with hundreds of people, you <laughs> know, on top of me. Yes. I'd go um, But I appreciated it. Like, I, I can't, you know, the way that Pete, you know, and, 
And when you're in the rural areas, you can appreciate that because so much more space because there are people living on top of each other in the city and having to get along and figure out what that means. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. I would say, um, I like, I've liked everywhere I lived except the weather in Lawrence was awful. I can't say that, but, um, the city itself really fun. Um, and I really was glad that I went to graduate school there. Uh, but sounds like you've had much more exciting journey I've been to we would take our summer camp kids to DC they're rich and the older they got oh, my cat's using the litter box next to me the older they got uh, they went on better trips and I had the oldest kids I uh, had like ninth and tenth graders and we go to DC Toronto California a couple times um, so that was my only times in DC were two trips there. And I think you hit it on the nose. Like it kind of gives you the sense of government and patriotism and, and seeing that place in the history and just the monuments to American humanity, like what has gone on. And then I tell everyone, go visit New York city, like go check it out. It's where so many cultures intersect and where a lot of what became America started and got Ellis Island, Statue of Liberty, all that it's just great history to see and like Times Square. I mean, it's pretty cool. And I was started going there when it was kind of shady. And, uh, and so that was like mid nineties. And, uh, but yet it was so funny. You say that Dustin. it's so funny. You say that because I remember being in New York city when I was like 14 or 15, which, you know, I guess would have been maybe the end of the eighties, early nineties. I just remember all the sex shots, right? So when I went back, what, I guess in 2012 or 18, in Times Square, I'm like, where are all the sex shots? <laughs> like, they're gone. Like, <laughs> it's not there anymore. Oh, nope. <laughs> so I was, you know, what's the triple X, right? Like, it's all Nike and H, you know, H&M. And- oh, M&M <laughs> store. Yeah. Uh, Julie. Uh, yeah, that's a big Giuliani as uh started that like when he became the mayor uh really cleaned up Times Square and such uh I know those places still exist somewhere in Manhattan uh just not you know a block off like where all the families are at and so yeah it's it's a it's it's better place to visit nowadays and and they shoot movies and tv shows and everything down Times Square uh I it's so fun to remember back to like my friends would visit and they'd be like, let's go to the city. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, of course, of course we got to go there. And I would just be like, Oh, the people, the smell, I just like not into it, but I'd try to be like, okay, we got to see this, this, I try to be the best host, but like, they could tell like, yeah, here we are again in, in Manhattan doing the same touristy stuff. And, and I was the one that was like, all right, don't stop and look at a building. I'll just pull you over the side, look up, but just don't stop in the middle of the, the sidewalk. That's somebody's highway. That's how they get into work. That's how right. they're done. And you're just slamming on the brakes. And they're like, oh, I never thought about that way. I was like, yeah, that's how it works around here. So I was like, we'll just step over here. You can check out the skyline. I, I don't mind looking at it too. It's pretty impressive, but you can't just slam on those foot brakes right in the middle of the sidewalk in New York. So anybody that goes to New York City, I'm telling you that. Don't do that. Pull over. Same with Vegas. Just pull over to the side look up, but get out the way because people are still like using it to get back and forth and around. And so especially New York city, Vegas, 
big touristy spot. I get it, but some people are still working and, and trying to move maneuver around the streets and stuff. So yeah, just don't slam on those brakes or sometimes the car's trying to get by you and you slam on the brakes in the middle of a crosswalk. So uh, yeah, be aware of your surroundings when the bigger cities like that. Uh, but yeah, it was, I, I miss parts of it. I miss my friends mostly. Uh, it's been 10 years, I think since I went back. Yeah, no more than that. 11 years. So I can go back and all my friends bug me about it. And I think they have kids now, you know, and they didn't when I was last there. So it's crazy to think about, yes, age has definitely gone by. And, but also there's some, you know, when I go there, I, there's some nine 11 memories. There's some old memories that I don't necessarily like exploring and looking into and working news and such. And so it's not always like first on list to go, but I want to take my, my girlfriend I've been with for the last 10 years. I'm always like, we got to go to New York. We got to go to New York. You got to check out Manhattan. It's so cool. Like, and everything, even do a Broadway show. Have you done a Broadway show? Yeah, we did. Um, actually, uh, I guess it was my first here. I turned 40 and, you know, went through that crazy crisis. And um, some, some actually who were in Laramie came and we met in the city to celebrate our 50th birthday. And we went to Les Miserables. Yep. Um, on Broadway, we we actually stayed pretty much in Times Square. Yeah. Um, and we did all. I mean, my favorite. Uh, besides the Met, I love the Met. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, we did. Uh, someone told me take the Staten Island ferry. You know, because it you know it's free. Yeah. And you get the best view of the city there. And yeah. so we did that. Um, we didn't. I have done Ellis Island. I really like going to Ellis Island, but we um. Actually, maybe we went to Ellis Island. We didn't stop at the, uh, I haven't uh, been on, in the Statue of Liberty. We just oh, went by it. Um, and then um, we did cross, we walked across the Brooklyn Bridge, which was pretty cool. What I liked about it is like on the others, like on the Manhattan side, there's all the taco like trucks and oh, yeah. had lunch there, like all the crazy food trucks right there and then walk across the bridge. Um, and Central Park is really cool. Oh, yeah. uh, the weather was perfect. It was like early fall. So we had a nice weekend there and did yeah. all the tourists. And, you know, we were pretty touristy, but it was totally fun, really fun. And it's, it is a great city. And um, I have some friends that live in Brooklyn. So, and my sister lived in Brooklyn when she went to NYU. So it's always fun to oh. go back to Brooklyn. Although yeah. it's getting very gentrified. I don't really oh, recognize yeah. stuff anymore there. Um, and uh, I mean, it's not my favorites in the world, but it's a good, it's a, it's a cool one. Um, I wish they got their public transit, like their public transportation system is not what it is today for sure. Like it's so, like even Chicago is just much easier to get around right. the city in Chicago. Um, Barcelona is probably now my favorite city just because it's just anything you could want to do in a city is there and the public transportation is just seamless. Um, but, uh, and, and, but yeah, I, I like the, I do like going to the city and, I haven't been to Boston yet. That's my, it's close. And I don't know why we just never been. Did you ever make it up to Boston when you were out here? I did uh, twice. Uh, once for work. Uh, once for fun. Right after we left our summer camp, went to Boston for a couple of days. Um, I probably need to go again. 
I don't, that's not necessarily my, wasn't my favorite times there. Maybe the tour guide the first time around wasn't the greatest. Um, and the second time I went for work, uh, we were covering, uh, it was an archdiocese, was covering a sex scandal with kids. And he was oh, testifying. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, he was testifying. And we were trying to get him going into the courtroom, but they brought him up the, the back elevator so we didn't see him at all. And so we had to just basically tell a story that we were there and trying to get him and basically cover all the same stuff that was already public knowledge. So, and it was cold and rainy and nasty. And like we had a, we had a corporate plane because uh, News 12 Long Island is owned by Cablevision who owns like the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden and, and Rangers and all that. So we had big like corporate money behind us. And so when stories like that broke, yeah, I got sent up there, but it, yeah, it was cold and everything and be way before uh, ride chairs and stuff. So cabs and I've got very expensive equipment with me and such. So I'm worried about that half time to get real, no real video, but I need to go back to Boston. Yeah. To, to see it more, um, check out more things. Uh, I didn't give it a fair share, but also being the Yankee fan that I am. Uh, yeah. I hate the Red Sox. Oh, right. <laughs> And so that moves me out a little bit on that place sometimes. Uh, don't want to get beat up. So I probably got to not wear Yankee stuff. And, uh, but yeah, Boston is, is interesting. Um, I, I, like you said, I, I've had interesting story of the life, life work, not working at news. There's tons of awesome, cool stuff. But I was, after working at that summer camp, or it was one summer, we went to, to the city for a day off and, we go into, I think it starts off this way. We go into this like athletic shop store, tons of like NFL jerseys and stuff. And at the time I'm probably near 300 pounds, a lot bigger than I am right now. And uh, somebody, this guy thought I was a New York giant and like, would not like <laughs> leave me alone. It was just like, follow me around. I'm like, no, no, I'm not one. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I was like, I think they're much bigger than me. I know I'm a big guy. And so I was like, that was interesting. Then we go down to South Street Seaport and a few of us end up buying like cigars. And so I think it's like five of us and we're lighting our cigars and this photographer runs up and he's like, hold up, let me pose you. I want to take some pictures. And so he takes this picture of us like smoking cigars and all sorts of different stuff. I was like, right on. That that was interesting. The same day as like we're fa- I was famous in another store. I go to take this classic picture from the South Street Seaport, and I think you see the Statue of Liberty behind. There was this um, Asian couple up there, and I was trying to stay out of their way, and they're like, "No, no," they're trying to stay in my way, and they're like, "No, you get in the picture with us." And I was like, uh, "Okay," so I get I'm a random picture with this Asian couple, big white kid from Wyoming. <laughs> With the Statue of Liberty, like you know, a little bit in the background, like the most famous I had felt. Like it was weird because it was New York. Kind of the reason I went to New York is to disappear into the woodwork because living in Laramie, and especially you know having your parents work at the university, they know your business before you, you know your business. And so it's a very small town. And so it was nice to like disappear. But next thing I know, I'm like, um, people notice me, and this is weird. And uh, yeah, that was, that was interesting life story that happened Uh, later on some stuff, like being a DJ in Laramie, 
I had a fandom following of such people really liked me and what I played at, at a certain bar. So I'd be at like stores and people would just scream my name, DJ rude. What are you doing here? And I'm like getting groceries, I'm a human being, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it was so surreal going, I am just a guy that plays music three times a week to you guys in Laramie. And I get idolized. I was like, I couldn't imagine being a real celebrity walking the streets and just getting mobbed like we were with Kubigan Jr. And someone just yells, you know, show me the money. He's going to remember that for the rest of his life and everything. And so it'd just be hard for that kind of notoriety, even though part of me likes the ego stroke, but also like I like to disappear and and into my own home and and be able to walk out of my own house and not be shouted down. So I can't imagine being that famous for your trade or anything like that and such. Uh, I mean, Hey, you probably get right. students that run into you at grocery stores are probably feel the same way. They're very shocked that you uh, leave campus. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, um, not now I've turned into their mom. So like uh, I don't and I don't live in Oswego. So I live okay. um, down in the Finger Lakes in Geneva. Um, but when I was a graduate student, I taught my own class. Um, uh, and, you know, when I first started teaching, I was like a few years older than they were. And I remember like, um, it was, I, I was teaching my own class. And for some reason at the end of the semester, I thought it was a good idea to do the pub crawl um, <laughs> that, was, that that some of the graduate students were doing. And no one told me it was gonna be on bikes. And I'll tell you doing a pub crawl on bikes in a hilly town is not a good idea. Like if you're gonna drink and I did. And I remember like, I was, you know, drinking and riding this bike and my, you know, my stupidity was going up as, you know, the, the night went on and I decided, oh, I'm going to use my bike and I'm going to jump the curb, which I can't do sober, right? So I jumped the curb and I totally wipe out. And the first person to pull me up was one of my students. Uh-huh. And they're like, Eve, and I'm like, God damn it. You know, like, so yeah, it was really hard because you'd want to go drinking. And I remember I went to go see um, some bands um, at the Bottleneck, which was one of the local places. And I think it was um, the Muffs and L7, which are pretty, you know, hard punk bands. And um, I had to teach, this was when I first started, I was um, teaching a discussion section, like eight in the morning, the next morning. (laughs) And someone just kept giving me drinks, you know, like they just kept giving me and I kept drinking them. And the morning came and I had to go teach that class. I was, a, you know, I was the instructor. So I show up and I'm like, look, I'm really sorry, but I can't hear you because I was by the speaker um, and I can't hear anything. But if you yell at me, I'm going to start, I'm going to throw up. It was like, you know, terrible, terrible. Like, and uh, that was like my first semester teaching. Um, The only notoriety I ever had, I think was when I was nine, my parents took a sabbatical to Taiwan um, in the 1980s. So it was 85, 86 or something. And I was um, like, we went to a school, one of the few English speaking schools was in the middle of the country. And like, um, my parents had hired a taxi driver to take us from the train station to school and back. And um, we were like the only white people. So like, and I was like a nine-year-old white, you know, kid. Yeah. And my sister had to go all day on Wednesdays and I only had a half day. 
And I remember one day, like the, the taxi driver was like, well, when's your train? And I told him, and because I could speak Chinese at this point. Oh, wow. And he took me to the middle of nowhere to meet his family. And like people were running out and pinching my cheeks in the car. And then he got me to the train station so I could catch my train. I mean, that that's the closest to that feeling I think I've ever really had was um, I was the only white person. And so, you know, I was a kid. and the Chinese love children. So that oh. that got some notoriety and stuff. But um, I do know the feeling of like the nice thing about being in a city is that, yeah, you don't you can blend in and and nobody's really caring or watching you or cares anything about you and it is kind of freeing after you know living right. in a small town oh yeah for sure oh yeah like uh we went to australia right after high school to play an all-star football game and it was interesting that was probably the beginning like where i started really noticing more accents because all the australian girls loved my american accent and i could somehow talk at the time and not, <laughs> and I, for being 18 and not talking dumb or any, you know, like a typical 18 year old boy would probably. And so I couldn't believe I'd have like 10 girls deep around me. Just listen to me talk. Can I record you? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like go ahead. You had to get a tape recorder. There was no like phone to record you. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. That's cool. And I was like, truth be told, Australian accent is probably one of my favorites. And I was like, you guys can right. just talk right back to me. And I'll be like, yeah, you could say whatever and I'm in. And so, but that was, that was very interesting. That was probably the beginning. I didn't think I wanted to live in the spotlight by any means. And so that started my world of working behind the scenes and cameras and such. I mean, I liked, I liked rubbing elbows with those people, but I, you know, I'm working with them, but I don't want to be the focus of, cause then you have to be accountable in a bar sometimes uh, for your actions, or at least, you know, I, we've all gone to work the next day after you know when our young 20s after our 30s drinking too much and get it done but it sucks and uh yeah if i yell i'll throw up and if you yell at me <laughs> yeah I, that's i've been there i, I totally uh, i totally i got my first teaching evaluation out of that class because it was you know that was my first year teaching yeah. and i'll never forget it. like my first negative like it was and i quote if she wasn't so 18, she might have had something to teach us. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. <laughs> totally deserved it. But yeah. That would um, be and then the other ones were, oh, she was so relatable. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I could totally relate to her. So. <laughs> I I like those instructors that were relatable. Um, but I was in awe of them and for a long time because they held all the knowledge and so but then they were like friends with my stepdad a lot of my broadcast because he was a broadcasting instructor and so i'd like if i'd go out with him i'd run into them and i'd just be like oh my god you know they hold my fate or i i'm already done with their class now i see him as a human and so that this is weird and uh but yet i realize i have lots of instructor friends uh, you know, I understand. And I've, I've definitely hid them from their students a few times out the bars and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. I'm a team player. Um, we're all trying to have a good time. And usually we wait till the summertime to all really go out. Cause that's when all the really young students are gone. And so we can right. have more fun and everything. And by the time the students that are still here are working and stuff like that, and they're more mature, I use air quotes, but they're easy to be around during the summer. 
and stuff like that. So you'll see, yeah, more faculty out and about during the summer times in Laramie, at least. I know you don't live in a town you teach in, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it, it, yeah, like um, I remember being at KU and I was talking to some of the younger professors who were starting and they were like, oh, no, I live in Kansas City because I want to go out and I don't want to run into my students. And uh, I thought, yeah, you know, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Um, Carlos just happened to get a job in Rochester, so it was just too much of a commute. So we found some place in the middle. Oh. There is a college actually in our town. It's a private, Hogan and Smith. Um, and, and like I see my, I, I pull out of my driveway and I see my neighbors who are all really nice walking to work. And I think, oh, that would be nice because I like have to commute for like an hour. Um, oh. But uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, but the nice thing is I don't run into my students and I can actually ask my students, what are you doing this weekend? And they can tell me because it's not like they're going to run into me or, <laughs> you know, and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it is a weird, it is a weird thing. Like, you know, getting older is I think tough anyway, because you feel like who you are, like, yeah. you know, it's been 30 years since I graduated from high school and that's really hard for me to come to terms with in a couple Almost. of years. Um, almost 30 years my next 30 yeah, almost yeah, not quite like yeah i think i've got a couple years left okay. um and but i don't feel any i mean i don't think i'm 18 anymore because i was kind of a dumb 18 year old i think i i don't feel 18 but i think i still feel like 27 maybe <laughs> when i'm not <laughs> so yeah. but that's 20 years ago right yeah um and so i remember the moment when i i really thought have i made the right decision as a career um and it was i was still at ku i was teaching my own class i was actually eight i was I had finished but i was teaching for the university and i was doing my first big lecture class and i made a reference to the blair witch project and my student my the student looked at me he's like oh yeah i was like 10 when that came <laughs> out and i went holy hell like this is what's gonna happen and it's gonna get worse as time goes on like i'm gonna make some reference to something and they're gonna not have a clue what i'm talking about and yeah so oh yeah and i, I try I, I teach pop culture and it's really hard because you know the pop culture they do is not the pop culture i do anymore so i understand yeah i i uh, always growing up i was like i'll never be one of those people that glorifies one decade alone like gotta move on like and eh, the 50s were okay 60s were kind of cool 70s were disco and i don't know and then i was like the 80s eh. and then i was like but the 90s were the best decade ever man because all the cool stuff and i just glorify <laughs> the 90s like no other because i'll be like all my like lots of my favorite music movies and, like they were such defining actually i think defining movies and music for many generations and i'm always shocked especially as like a dj that i'll be djing a wedding or something and they'll be like i want to hear 90s music and i was like i was all ready with your new stuff well you just want to hear my stuff i'm in i can do that i can do that all night long that's good and so i was like because you guys are all copying our fashions we make stuff cool we didn't really think about I was not trying to dress like someone from the 80s or 60s or 50s by any means. There was no, I was just doing what I like to wear. Next thing I know, it's a popular fashion statement now. And I'm like, okay, haircuts, I, the same ones are coming out that I had when I was in college. I was like, I want to tell them you do not want to do this. You just literally <laughs> do not want to do this. Like, I'll tell you, look back and you're like, I wish I didn't do that. 
And so, but yeah. you, you got experiments in high school and, and college, I mean, not high school and college and, and learn about yourself more. So I don't knock them too much. Uh, still love, like I said, the hand solo fashion will always fly this around this time of year with me. But I got one last question for you. Sure. Unless you got more to say, because I got lots to listen. Oh, no, no. Okay. Because we got them nearly an hour and a half. So yeah, I figure one last question. You've given you a lot of my, you've given me a lot of your time. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. And I always ask this question of, of everyone on the show, uh, since it's called All My Friends, how do we meet? Um, I, I actually know this answer, Justin. I know you don't think I do, but okay. we met in junior high and I didn't know that you were from Oregon though. Um, that, cause it sounds like you came kind yeah. of into junior high from Oregon. I didn't know that about you, but, um, I think I saw you in the hallway and I thought you were cute. And I think I told someone that, and I think we dated for like maybe 48 hours, right. In junior high. I do I think remember. That's, uh, um, but then um, we re-met, I think, in high school. You dated briefly a friend of mine, uh, Renee Richardson, who oh. I mentioned earlier. Um, I think um, I, you you went on a couple dates with her, and I think um, we met. I think you had car trouble once, and we came and picked you up, and that, and, and I and I remember seeing you at baseball games um, okay. in the summer. Yeah, I was just but, I was like going. I wonder if she'll remember like the 48 uh, hour date date yeah thing, dating thing junior <laughs> thing. and like i crack up because like the first girl like kind of dane laramie started with an e then your name and then i dated ellen in high school and i was like i'm really batting for the e's when's the next one and that stopped all the e's right there but with well, ellen for me, it was J's actually. Like there was a lot, there was like a long line of J's and it, it always ended very quickly. So I started telling myself that, you know, Eve, you cannot date guys whose names start with J. <laughs> I mean, I think I made it like this, this rule. Um, but yeah, you know, I repressed a lot from junior high and high school, but no, I totally remember that. Um, and you know, just how silly and it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it is, it, you know, it was weird. Laramie was a kind of weird place because the high school had enough kids that you could not, I mean, you didn't necessarily know every kid in oh, the no. school, but it felt like you did. <laughs> and I think probably the worst time I've ever come back to Laramie wasn't the last time when I didn't recognize anything. And I thought, yeah, this isn't really home anymore. Um, but I remember I brought Carlos um, to go. One of my favorite things to do in Laramie was to go camp um, in the campsites behind Vidavu. Oh. I don't know if you ever did that. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I think a lot of high school students went out there to drink and stuff. And yeah, I, I'm not sure that I was ever that cool, but we used to camp and on those, those camping spots that were free, that were really cool. And I remember I was in graduate school. So it was like early 2000s and I took Carlos and we went camping in my favorite camping spot. And I could hear the high schoolers playing, you know, their music and um. drinking. But what made me really sad about it is they were playing the same music that I had been playing <laughs> when I was there 10 years earlier. And I just thought, you know, the Metallica Black album was good. And, you know, yes, I'm, I grew up in Wyoming, so I instinctively know the lyrics to Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knows them, but it's been 10 years. You need to find new music. 
really, you shouldn't be listening to this anymore. I get it. And so I'm always afraid that if I went back to that camping spot, they would still be listening to Metallica, the, the Black Album. Just play <laughs> the Black Album, Garth Brooks, Rope in the Wind. I think yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It still does. I mean, I can, I probably could find high school kids that are all still listening to Metallica and all that. Oh, yeah. Because they made good music back then. That's, I know that for sure. Um, well, you know that band got thrown out of town, right? On the liner you, notes. You know that link yeah. of Metallica? Yeah, like it was off, I think on their first album, like I think they actually say F you Laramie, Wyoming. They got thrown out of the buckhorn, buckhorn right? That oh, yeah. buckhorn down there. Um, I was just sad that the, um, the was, what was it called? Sins? It was on the, oh, yeah. east, you know, across the viaduct. There was uh, there was a, a bar that had like $2.50 Long Island iced teas that would, could get me drunk for like two days, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they closed that. that oh, sad. yeah. Sad to hear that. because that Well, was yeah, I know. I have such fun. <laughs> well, I know I made it there and went there, but the place is a blur to me. But yeah, it it, it led to probably more than enough Uh drunk driving moments yeah and right. so uh and and then since i worked at like the parlor as a dj like i worked in bars throughout college that you'd get in with other bars so like we'd start at sins and then they would hook us up and then they'd come to the parlor and we hook them up and yeah it was uh i don't don't drink and drive people we've got uber we've got lots of things so uh i wish we would have had it back then um, thankfully, yeah, all, yeah. we're all still alive from driving home from Sins uh, on the west side of Laramie. It's still it's like a fly store now. I don't even know if they sell alcohol there. I wonder. I always drive by and go, "Oh, Sins." Oh, <laughs> so, just, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I I wonder if you were DJing at the any time when I was there. I bet you were. I went to the parlor. Um, although my favorite DJs were at. Um, God, what was it called? Fortunately, it was the bar that Matthew Shepard Willis? got taken out of. Oh, um, oh, 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 Fireside. Now it's live. Fireside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of the, the DJs, I really, they would play a lot. They played really happy 80s dance music, and I really like to dance to that. So I, so I went there a lot. Um, uh, but um yeah no that i went i bet you were i bet you were and i didn't even realize maybe when you were there huh i wonder if we ever overlapped in the uh, in mean, the, the bar scene i bet like uh state i mean parlor wild will i uh, wild willies i not the fireside when um it was going off um i did later and learned about like the back room and the their DJ booth was up in the crow's nest. And uh, that was interesting. I DJed, I, I think at the time of maybe your guys's 10 year reunion, I think I was DJing. And so I, cause I remember some of those classmates, maybe it was the year after that, but um, yeah, I've DJed all over this town, but in college jazz parlor, wild willies. Um, gosh, uh, I think well, that was it. Maybe a little bit of amnesia if it had a different name, which amnesia was a downstairs bar below like friend right. frocks. Yeah, or what we used to know as friend frocks. And so right. Oh, I totally know what you yeah. mean. I know it. And yeah. that 
that actually, I did go to whatever that was. I remember I did go to that place a a bit in college, like later, but I can't remember what its name was by then. I just called it Friend Rocks, actually. Yeah. Because I was. And so, yeah, it was, it it, I started off, oh, I'm meant to wrap up this show, but it's a good story about how I became a DJ because I've gone to the parlor since I was like 20, had a fake ID. I turned 21. Uh, they're like, oh my God, you're 21 now. I'm like, I'm not trying to get free drinks. Just still hanging out. Within a couple of weeks, one of the managers was like, hey, Rude, uh, you like music? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, you want to be a DJ? And I was like, yeah, I do. I had no clue <laughs> what uh, that was going to take. I just saw the guys bringing in their CDs and playing songs. And so I call the parlors my, my eight mile. I mean, it still exists. So I learned how to be a DJ. I don't necessarily like to hang out there all the time. A little, lot younger crowd than me. I take every once in a while, like friends are in town. We go look at it early in the night and we get out of there because it's, it's for those young kids and they don't need to see old people like me hanging out. So I, le- I like yeah. to, all the memories I have in there are, are good and so are, we're fun and such. But uh, I, then I've been bouncers, bartenders all through the bar business, but the DJ spot kind of stuck the most. And I'm glad because I didn't make the tips as, as the bartenders did, but I didn't have to deal with drunk people like that, screaming at you, buddy, yep, all that stuff. Uh, bouncers, oh, that job sucked. I hated being a bouncer. Like, And so DJ, I got play, paid to drink and play music. Like, That's the dream job right there. I loved it. And so still love it. And DJ weddings and events and, and have so radio you shows. Did you have a style? Like, did you do house music mostly? Or did you, did you, did you run the gambit? Like, I could run the gambit. there a- It really depended at where I was at. Like, when I was at the parlor, I was a huge hip-hop fan. So, and that's what they wanted. And that's what got the fans. So, I, it was, that's what I did. But earlier, you know, we'd start off, like, in the early in the night. There wasn't as much hip hop access as I had later in life, but so I like playing some 80s stuff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, after I left Laramie and moved back, I'd been on DJing for a couple of years and I liked different music. I became more of a jam band fan and still loved hip hop and stuff. And then I was got another job DJing and was like, okay, we got to start the night slow because we're still in a place where people are eating. It was Lovejoys. And and so now I'm like, I just kind of try to read the crowd. Oh, it's a bunch of country loving fans. We'll do that. A bunch of hip hop fans. I got it all. Um, to get into like house music and and, and stuff like that, uh, I don't I don't scratch my stuff. I can right, beat right. match. I can beat match. And so I love like one two hour song, like from the beginning of the night to the end, or however long I'm playing. But as long as it all sounds good and matches together, I don't necessarily when I'm playing uh out at venues and stuff to, to talk i can do that here in the podcast on my radio shows but if i got an event i'd rather not say a word um but sometimes I ask the dj to do toast and wedding stuff and so that'll happen but i never thought i would enjoy being a wedding dj but now i am because i have that variety of music i can play and not be like oh the place is going to walk out if i play too much of this like or this i'm doing peace to everyone so uh, it's it's fun. I love it. Music's definitely um, for everyone. It's it's a fun place. And I just don't know how to talk to people who are like, yeah, just listen to what's ever on the top 40. I'm like, I don't know how to talk to you. I really because because that's just like 
there's there's infinite music out there in the re- I couldn't listen to it at all in the rest of my lifetime. And so the access right. now, like I do more exploring of years, like I'm gonna listen to the 70, you know, 1974 and all the music that was around then. Never had access when I was younger. Now I can get it all if I really wanted to. And so I do a lot more of that than what's the latest Justin Bieber song, which is great that people like that stuff. There's gotta be pop music and everything. It's just not always my thing. I know a few songs that get popular here and there because I got to bust them out for weddings and such, but I don't spend a lot of time going, what's the latest and greatest band? Because I got thousands in my head that are ready to be the latest and greatest to me. So yeah, I mean, what kind of, I mean, hey, what music are you into? <laughs> um, You know, uh, I, uh, I, you know, I guess I followed the, I, I mean, I, I, I have to keep up on some pop music just because I teach popular culture, although oh, yeah. my students don't listen to popular music in pop culture. So then they're like, I don't know. Um, but I kind of, you know, the, you know, the grunge era had a big impact. I was the right age. And oh, so yeah. I went down this sort of, I don't even know what's called anymore. Alter- we used to call it alternative music oh, yeah. track. Like I'm a big Radiohead fan, you know, like, um, uh, I, uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of my music's too depressing, but I listen to lots of stuff. I always have, like, I listened to a lot of sixties and seventies music when I was a kid. Like I loved Motown. I liked, okay. you know, um, I, I mean, I like some disco. I disco is not my favorite. I'm much more of a punk rocker. Like, so I liked seventies and eighties punk. Um, uh, but you know, I think, you know, every every time we get through a new decade, we'll say, oh, the music's so terrible now. But we forget, like, actually, no, it's just there's a lot of it. And then, you know, popular music gets played a lot and you get sick of it. Yeah. But then when you look back, like I think about like um, around 2010, there were some really great bands that I was going to see live shows. I like to go see live music a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's something that my husband and I do a lot. And um I don't know. There was great stuff then. And, and, you know, the seventies, there's great stuff in the seventies and there's terrible stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I like a lot, I guess I don't know country, despite the fact that I grew up in Laramie, I really don't know country music all that well. Yeah. I kind of, that was kind of my rebellion was no, I'm not really that. Um, but I like old country. Like I really like Johnny Cash oh, and yeah. I really like, um, like some of the more when country and rock and roll were kind of together, right. In terms yeah. of the swing. Um, I did used to like, uh, in college, um, there was the club that was right across from the dorms. I don't remember what it was called. It had lots of different names over, over the years. So I can't remember. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now it's the light. It was the library. Turn it oh, restaurant, But I used to have a country night, a uh, country swing. And one of the guys on the floor loved it could do country swing. So I'd go dance to that because it was really fun, oh, yeah. but I didn't know the music. Um, but um, yeah, I got really excited because my daughter was playing like the intro to come as you are from Nirvana one night and I could hear it. And I was like, Oh my God, she's playing Nirvana. Thank you. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. But um yeah, I'm like you. I just like a lot of stuff. And so, um, and I like weddings because, yeah, you get to play a lot of, and people dance and then everyone's in a good mood. So that, that's like the best place to be, to be oh, honest. Yeah. And I'm not sure my students go dancing. Like some of my students in the city do, um, but a lot of the students, like that's what we did in college is we would drink and then we'd go dance for hours. And yeah. maybe that's why 
And I just, I don't know that my students do that anymore. And that kind of creeps me out. Like, what are you doing? Like, what in the world could you be possibly doing if you're not going dancing, right? Because <laughs> there's too much sad bastard music going on, including hip hop. And well, it's true. And, and I do like it. Like, yeah. you know, Radiohead is not happy music. There's no doubt, like, <laughs> at all. It's really depressing. So, um, but. Well, thanks. It was so nice to see you and talk with you and, and um, hear some of your stories. Uh, you've just been a lot of places. It's really cool. And you have too. Um, like you just toss in Oz in uh, Taiwan. Like you just toss. And <laughs> uh, oh yeah, you've uh, Chile was cool. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I do like to travel. Like that is something else I like to do too. Um, it is really cool to, to to be in different places, and even when you don't speak the language, it is cool. Like it, you're still. It's it is it is cool. I like to do it. Um, but it, I'm really glad. You know, I I uh, I did like you always made announcements before. Like I haven't been back to any of the reunions. Um, uh -huh. but like I always want to. But for whatever reason, in the summer. I think it's because my parents' anniversaries around that time, and they always rent a house somewhere, and so I'm always doing family stuff instead of going back to the reunions. But you know, you always put up like you know the get together and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I'm always like, oh, I wish we could go and see people. So I don't know. I'm glad that you went back to Laramie and are kind of holding the fort <laughs> for you know. It became a our years role. from high school. Yeah, I became a designated role sometime like. I would be at Jubilee Days and I'd just run into everyone from Laramie and I'd be like, we're all here for different reasons. We should all meet up earlier. No matter what class we were in, we'll probably know each other somehow. So I started doing that. And then uh, I don't want it to rule out anybody's reunions on my 30th next year. So yeah, you should come back for your 30th in two years. Think about it. Yeah, like you know, I, I probably will. Hair. I mean, um, it's not like, you know, some people avoid them because, uh, but I know it wasn't that, like, I think one, like, I think the 10, I was, I, I was getting married and I was in the Caribbean. Oh. Um, and then the 20 or whatever, 25, I, I can't remember. Like, it, it's, it's not always clear to me which are the yeah. years that people go back for. Um, I, it's, I never wanted to avoid them. I, I, I did like, I, you know, I, 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 I always hope there's more people than them probably show up. Cause you always do kind of wonder what happened. I mean, Facebook kind of ruined that a little bit because you could, you know, follow people. And, um, anyway, although I think I'm, I'm sure that everyone has blocked me, you know, cause like, you know, it gets too political and stuff, but, um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I had fun met memories of Wyoming for sure. And, I, you know, I don't one not well who are there. So it'd be fun to run in and see, you know, oh, yeah. hear other people's stories. I'm glad you're doing this. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. You're in broadcasting. So doing yeah. podcasts, I'm always admiring people who do it because you have time and energy and I love listening to them. So, you know, Great. thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> for... Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. You're very, very entertaining. Oh, <laughs> that's the nice way of putting it. Friends, hopefully the connection issue we kind of had uh, didn't get in the way of the interview or cause you to be distracted too much. I want to thank Eve for being on the show. 
I was shocked that we both remembered having a junior high, I use air quotes, relationship, even though it was for 24 to 48 hours long. I really hope she can make it back for her 30th high school reunion in two years. It would be nice to meet her family and talk face to face. Now, my 30th high school reunion is next summer. I can't believe all my classmates got so old. On to the next episode. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. <laughs>